Today is a difficult episode about the hardcore realities of the pornography industry. How is this marriage related? Well, pornography is a leading cause of divorce nowadays, and one of the myths that we need to debunk as we fight this cancer is that viewing porn is a victimless activity. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gindel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, porn is not going to help. We have a gritty episode for you this week. This is episode number 166, and today we're going to be talking about pornography and sex trafficking. And again, what does this have to do with marriage? Well, I believe that about half of marriages have at least one pornography-using spouse in them. And objectification is a big part of using porn, seeing the actors as sex objects. And I want to convey something of the human cost of the real people involved in creating pornography so that we all understand that viewing porn is not a victimless or harmless activity quite the opposite. Hey there. Before we get started, though, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed loving your spouse's kids. And Caleb, that just like makes me relax right there. It sounds so much more pleasant than hardcore. We've had some good feedback on that episode already. Have we really? Yeah. Awesome. Well, that is for blended families especially and is worth going back and checking out and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows. And if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope, including the hope of recovery from pornography addiction. Sex and porn addiction treatment is part of what I do as a counselor. And so this is a topic that's very relevant. Let's get into this for Linda. Okay. Not uh, probably going to be one of our happier, laughing, enjoyable episodes, but I think a necessary one. Okay. So let's start with the subject of human trafficking and abuse. You need to know that pornography relies on trafficked victims to create its content. In fact, uh, major centers for human trafficking, such as St. Petersburg in Russia and Budapest in Hungary, are also large producers of pornography. Many women that are trafficked for prostitution in these circumstances, they're also forced to make porn. Hmm. And so even though you may consider it, it to be like a legit or at least a legal job, like pornography acting or modeling or stripping in clubs, Those can also be an entrance point into the sex industry, into trafficking. Are they not already in the sex industry? Like porn acting, you wouldn't consider that part of the sex industry? Or what do you mean by that? Uh, No, into prostitution. Oh. In that direction, yeah. Okay. You can kind of come in both ways from what I understand. Okay. Women that start in these roles are often pressured or forced into prostitution or other illegal activities. That's the, the point there. Okay. And I understand that in the industry that control, intimidation, and violence are commonplace. Uh, Researchers have found that around 71% of women in the sex industry are not free to leave the industry. They're either Um. physically withheld or trafficked or unfree to leave until they have paid off debts. And 50% of American women in the industry reported regular or daily violence from their agents, handlers, or pimps, and about 90% reported verbal abuse. And so, and then of course, the pornography part can also be used as a means of control. The threat to expose the pornographic videos they've made, it's a way of keeping women in the industry, in the sex industry. In other instances, some women were totally unaware that their pictures were being spread in magazines or online. So you can imagine how devastating it would be to discover that. Right. I 
so these are people in the sex industry, like prostitution and stuff, because wouldn't people yes. acting for pornography know yeah. that? Yeah, correct. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so that's, there, that, there's a, there's a huge toll there on the trafficking side. Now, another mm-hmm. piece of this is sexually transmitted diseases. And this is a significant problem among porn actors. And one of the, it's one of the main concerns that the actors do report about their work. In the U.S. porn industry, chlamydia rates are 14.3% compared to 0.6 and 3%, somewhere in that range for the general population. Gonorrhea rates are 5.1% compared to less than 0.1% in the general population. Mm-hmm. Reinfection rates within a year are 26 over, just over 26%. And other STDs are not routinely screened for, so prevalence rates are just unknown. Hmm. HIV can also be spread within the porn industry because of the high number of sexual partners that actors are required to have. And they rarely practice safe sex using condoms. So, for example, there was an outbreak in Los Angeles among porn actors in 2004, and 65 men and women were infected with HIV in a single month. Screening processes used in the industry failed to stop the disease from spreading. Like, where is workman's compensation? You know what I mean? Like in a, in a welding shop, they're going to be in there making sure everybody has their masks on or whatever. The air is perfect and everything. Yeah. And then like, do we just overlook this? I don't know. I just don't know. But the researchers went on to note that the safety standards in the industry are poor. They often violate health and safety regulations. So, for example, actors are required to pay for their own screening tests and they're made to sign a waiver releasing their employee from responsibility if they contract HIV or an STD. Safe. Hmm. And like we said earlier, safe sex using condoms is uncommon. It's risky. There's a lot of risky or extreme sexual acts that are treated as as commonplace. Um. And so there's quite a willing desire or a willingness to put the performers at risk of disease transmission rather than try to protect them as people. And if you think about this, this is part of the problem that the consumer demand is really driving these actors to put their personal health at great risk. Hmm. It's not about the personhood. It's about the product. Right. So it's because people are willing to look at this, that there's the huge demand for it, that these people are being put at this risk. Right. That just makes me angry. That's where I'm going with this. And then there's a subject of objectification. So... Both male and female porn actors are objectified by the films because they focus solely on their bodies, on their sexual performance, and it portrays the actors as purely interested in sex. It's not giving them really any kind of real personality or character outside of wanting sex. Okay. So think about what that constant objectification does. It takes a toll on a person's well-being, on their self-esteem. So one of the most successful porn stars in the USA, she described this effect in her own autobiography. Her name is Jenna Jameson. She said, these guys don't care about seeing a show. They just wanted to see some skin. So much for my delusion of actually being respected. Wow. Later, she writes about how this creates a numbness and a sickness in her soul. And I quote again, I never take the time to feel the effects of my choices. Maybe it's because I would be ashamed, maybe afraid. I realize I have avoided my pain as long as I can remember. As life goes racing by me, all the while my soul goes on with sickness. Yes, sickness. It feels like I'm ailing because the one that should be nursing it is too busy trying to succeed and be accepted. Wow. So it's just a woman who's hurting so badly. Yeah, it's being used. Mm. And of course, the objectification also affects the viewers and their relationships. So that objectification doesn't just exist on the acting side of the screen. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a study in 2014 that interviewed 171 women 
about their partner's porn use, and they found that the porn use directly predicted sexual objectification within the relationship and caused the women to internalize the beauty standards upheld in porn. Hmm. So that internalization led to higher levels of body shame for the women. And porn use and objectification also predicted anxiety about the relationship, reduced self-esteem, and a higher likelihood of eating disorder symptoms. Wow. And of course, we talk more about body image and sexual functions in episodes 88 A and B. There's a big impact there. Yeah. So it's not just you doing your innocent little thing on the side. Well, you're really victimizing your spouse as well. As well as the people, the people on the screen. Yeah. And, yeah. So just sort of on that objectification piece, it was hard to figure out what to do for a bonus mm-hmm. guide for this particular episode, but I'm really happy with what we did come up with. It's a very specific bonus guide that helps men who are struggling with ogling and objectifying women. Because if you've got into that habit of scoping women out, it's really hard to break mm-hmm. out of that, even for guys that come off of pornography. Mm-hmm. And the guide offers you a pathway to freedom from this habit. You can get it by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll just take a quick 60-second break to tell you more about that. So question here, like this yeah. isn't necessarily people who are even struggling with pornography. No. But just if you're if you, if checking you out women walking by. Yeah. This will help. That's a habit you want to kick. Yeah. Or your wife wants you to kick. No, that you need to kick. Yeah. Okay, quick 60 second break. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day to day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And before the break, we were talking about objectification. Let's turn our attention to some of the different gender-based realities that porn actors and actresses are facing in the industry. So this is more on the actors now themselves. Okay. The reality for actors, for male actors, just a warning, if you are a recovering sex or porn addict, this could be triggering. So only proceed with listening or reading this if you feel it is safe for you to do so. Male porn actors face, and when I say male, I'm not saying that the opposite doesn't occur either. And it'll be the same for the female. There's some crossover here, of course, but maybe more specific. Male porn actors face, of course, uh, performance pressure. So men are often paid by the scene or by their ability to perform some very specific sexual acts reliably in front of the cameras. Mm -hmm. And so that pressure on male actors can be pretty agonizing. We read of one scenario, we have an actor and an actress, they're thrust into the same production with zero relationship with each other. There's several cameras, there's lights, there's other people doing sound and filming and people with props, and they're totally exposed and vulnerable to all that's going around. Wow. And if he cannot perform, his career is over. And now as well, this is a woman that he's being forced to act intimately with, but with whom he has no relationship and quite possibly no real interest. Hmm. 
Yeah. And the whole thing is so base. It's just reduced to completing the physical act while pretending that it's a deeply fulfilling experience. And then you have all the pressure of the film production on top of this, of being watched. There's a lot of pressure. There's real struggles, right? Yeah. And they're being forced to perform day in and day out without any regard for the human connection that is so central to sexuality and without any regard for the sacredness of their own souls and their bodies. Yeah. And the whole intimacy thing there is just reduced to two people getting their bodies to work. And while they may portray notions of passion or interest or love, those are acted. They don't feel that. And so there must be a huge impact not only on their bodies, but on their souls as well. It's probably hard to measure that. Yeah. It's got to be profound, right? Yeah. And then there's the subject of aggression. So there's more and more aggressive porn being produced. Men in this kind of lowbrow porn are encouraged to display aggressive, misogynistic, and violent attitudes. Misogynistic? Misogynistic. What's that? Uh, Hatred of women. What? So they, they, they're displaying hatred of women and yet they're going to have or sex with a woman? A general disrespect towards. Wow. Well, you'll see oh, that in this guy's okay. attitude, right? Okay. So there's an actor, TT Boy. He said the following in an interview. I was a shy little kid when I started and now I'm just a guy who wants to. And then he reverts to obscene self-gratifying language about how he uses porn actresses to satisfy his own eroticized rage. So when he, even when he addresses these actresses, and this is me editing the actual content from the interview here, there's this utter disregard for their personhood. He just wants to hurt them by sexually. Wow. And other industry observers note the uncaring, the abusive sexual self-expression and the unbridled aggression in comments by actors like him. Now, as a child, let's humanize this, okay? Because okay. this guy sounds like a beast, what yeah. a jerk, blah, blah, blah. As a child, T.T. Boy was raised by his violently abusive father. He was made to work on the family plantation. He expected to keep working on the plantation all his life and was told by his father, though, that he would never find work elsewhere and that not even McDonald's would take him. In other words, you're scum. Okay. Porn was the only work he could find. And despite the abuse that he suffered from his father, he idolized his father as a powerful man. And as an adult, he would physically abuse his own girlfriend while seeing himself as protecting her. So again, there's a, like, there's a real human behind the aggression in need of care Mm -hmm. and nurture and healing. And yet in this industry, he'll be used until discarded. And then what? He's just acting out of the abuse and hurt he experienced while further abusing and hurting women who themselves are already broken. So it really is an industry of pain and horror and abuse that is self-escalating and creating more and more abuse and wounding. Mm-hmm. Like inside, there's just a little boy yeah. who wants to be loved. Yes. Wow. Now, female porn actresses, I guess. Uh, many women enter into the porn business due to a lack of alternative. They're trying to escape poverty. There could be financial pressure. There could be a lack, a perceived lack of other employment options. Well, Some, that's same as the guy you're just talking about. Right. He didn't have any other options. Some also use it as a means of escaping oppressive conditions in their home countries. And then they become trafficked. They become part of the sex trade. This is how slavery happens today. And slavery, as we learned, um, visiting the Freedom Center in, I think it was Cincinnati, Cincinnati, wasn't it? Yeah. That this form of slavery is just as uh, well and thriving as it was in the days of William Wilberforce. Mm -hmm. Except now it's mostly around sexuality. And they can end up in the business after immigrating to the U.S., maybe due to being unable to find another way to work. Mm. But it's not just sufficient to say that poverty was a precipitating factor in this. With most women, it was a poverty that was preyed upon by recruiters and traffickers and pimps. So these, these people know where to find these women. 
Young women are often preyed upon in clubs and in malls where the pimps will befriend them. They'll create emotional and or chemical dependencies, convince them to earn money. Just take a little video, you know, just a few shots kind of thing and off it goes, right? Hmm. And then drug and alcohol abuse are often also used by the pimps of handlers in the industry to create this dependency, to create control. They can begin forcing women to use drugs until they're addicted and then they become their only source of more drugs. Huh. Financial control is also used. So, for example, with women who immigrate to the U.S. and other Western countries illegally, they're forced to work in the sex industry until their debts are paid off. And often in reality, the debts are never paid off because the handlers continue to add expenses, air quotes around that, or interest, air quotes again, to keep the women working for them permanently. They're trapped. Hmm. It is slavery. Mm -hmm. And so poverty, finances, that comes into this too. There's also a whole, uh, I don't know what you call this effort towards luring amateur girls. And there is this large demand for younger girls who have an innocent girl next door look uh, to bring to porn movies. And to cater for this, the industry finds young girls ages 18 to 21 who have never worked in porn before and it recruits them online. They're picked up by, you know, quote, talent agents driven to Miami or California where they lived in shared houses and they're given their new porn names. Sometimes they're told it's modeling. I've heard that before. And all of a sudden it's like, uh, you know, someone recognizes your beauty and you're going to get a few fashion photos and your modeling career is going to take off. And instead you find yourself in the porn industry. Wow. And often these are girls who never graduated from college. They have few career prospects. They're allured by the idea of making a name for themselves and making what is relatively huge amounts of money, like up to $800 for a single shoot that they'd never be able to make otherwise. And again, like you just imagine, they think they'll do a few videos. It's not a big deal. They'll get on with their lives with the cash, but then the manipulation begins or else the experience has been so painful mm-hmm. that they've turned to drugs. Now they're addicted. So one way or another, they're hooked or they're forced into staying. My heart is hurting. Yeah, this is this is tough stuff. Yeah. Now, there's also the issue of extremes. So the constant demand for newbies, that means people that are new to this, New to watching it or new to acting? To acting. Okay. Means that these girls often only get booked two or three times by major companies before they lose their newness factor and they're replaced. Wow. So like they just use and discard and. Yeah. Because uh, it's just objects, right? Right. They're not seeing the person. This is not an industry that makes people thriving, creative, right? Human growing human beings, right? So because they lose that newness factor, they have to resort to more niche or extreme and degrading forms of porn like bondage or exploitative scenarios. Uh, So, for example, they mentioned one amateur porn actress, Ava, who left home at 18 to work in porn. She worked in major porn studios for around three months before people lost interest in her. And then she had to find work in a genre where she plays a young girl being taken advantage of by older men. And according to her, and I quote, In the amateur porn world, you're just processed meat. Wow. Another example is Jade, a 25-year-old Latin American woman who frequently has to shoot very abusive scenes featuring degrading, physically violating activities that would never be a part of healthy sexuality. And because she's Latin American, she's also forced to play roles that feature degrading and racist stereotypes of Latin American women and forced to have sex with men while they call her racist insults. So just imagine the impact of repeatedly having to expose yourself to this and then knowing that whatever is recorded is also being broadcast on the internet. Why would people watch this? That's because they're wounded as well, is the short answer. Right. So women are tricked or manipulated into these films by their handlers 
and get increasingly less money for it. For, for example, Ava that we mentioned earlier, she arrived for a scene and was told it would feature abuse and violence. And here's what she said. I was terrified. I didn't know if I could actually say no. It must be how rape victims feel. They feel bad about themselves. Did I really want money that badly? Wow. That's the question. Yeah. And so then there's lasting abuse effects from this too. For women and men in the porn business, having made the videos creates a unique kind of trauma where the act of violation keeps on going. As long as the videos or magazines are available, the actors and actresses in them continue to be exploited by the viewers. And since it's impossible to ever get rid of all copies of an image or video once it's online, the trauma of knowing it's out there may never go away. One woman who acted in porn stated that, Every time someone watches that film, they are watching me being raped. And so think about what that's like, knowing that others derive pleasure from watching you being raped. Never mind the actual horror of being raped itself. And so, for example, in prostitution for women there, the act of being forced to make porn, that a study showed that that significantly increased their symptoms of PTSD. So there's a ton of trauma that comes out of this. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. This is a horrible, uh, sickening industry. And so if you've been watching porn thinking it's innocent enough that nobody's getting hurt, these people are enjoying their careers in the porn industry, think again. These are real humans and they're coming to this work not because they're whole, but because they're broken and they're breaking themselves more every day, Mm -hmm. all for your viewing pleasure. (laughs) Broken people watching broken people. Yeah. And everybody breaking themselves more in the process. Yeah. So there is healing. Yeah. There is recovery. And if you'd like to find a way to, uh, I don't even know how to put that, to return to a way of seeing human beings as persons. Rather than objects. Rather than objects. I would love to help you. Feel free to reach out through our website at onlyyouforever.com. Yeah. For more help and recovery. Okay. I think we are successfully emotionally deflated for the day. Yeah. No kidding. We let's end with some gratitude though. Yes. So thank you to Eve and also Jonathan who became patrons in this last week or so. We appreciate it. We appreciate all our patrons. Yeah. Like, I don't know, some podcasts are fun to record and then some aren't. Yeah. Ah, but anyways, more thankfulness. Yes. We want to thank pastor bud who left us a review on, on iTunes says new tricks, five stars. OIF is teaching this old dog some new tricks. I've been married and in ministry for 30 years and absolutely love the fresh approach that Caleb and Verlinda bring to the journey of marriage. I am an overnight truck driver and I've been binge listening since I discovered the podcast a few weeks ago. I just finished the episode on cell phone addiction. Ouch. I feel your pain, Pastor Bud. (laughs) I share episodes with my sons-in-law to encourage and challenge them as well. Thank you for the intellectual challenge with a lighthearted approach. And thank you, Pastor Bud, for your review and yes, your kind much appreciated. Words. Yes. Next week, we're talking about being home for the holidays. Oh, that sounds slightly more exciting. Yeah. You know, at least we can get some good sarcastic humor in there. <laughs> about the in-laws? Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes going home can be positive and other times it can put a strain on the marriage. If, for example, one of the in-laws really does not like you. Mm-hmm. Well, good thing your in-laws like you. Yes. Sometimes I think they like you more than me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. That is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 166. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. 
If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.